1: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 221 of Getting It Out Podcast. Now this is going to be a little difficult for me. I don't exactly know how to explain to you the music you just heard before because none of the words are even remotely pronounceable to me and I think it's actually very cool and it looks awesome but I don't know how to say it so bear with me please. That was Zompantli with... Oh man, this is tough O-T-L-A-T-O-C-O-P-O-P-E-L-C-A-H-L-U-Z-U-T-C Something like that Probably nothing even close But uh, if you're familiar with this band They've got a new record, a new LP coming out This Friday on 20 Buck Spin Records Featuring current members of Zabalba And it's awesome, Death Doom As you just heard on that 4 minute, 15 second track For more of the same from these guys Check it out on Friday. It's going to be available everywhere. The LP doesn't actually come out until June 17th, but like I said, all digital platforms and CD, I think, as well on May 6th. So go to 20 Bucks Buckspin if you want to pick that up. Are you ready to hear me mispronounce another band's name? Well, on this episode of the podcast, I've got an interview with Kyle Walburn of Atlanta's Tomaroom. I asked him how to pronounce that and he explained it to me, but I forget already and that's just the way it is heavy metal extreme metal bands can we just lighten up with the names can we make this easier how about we just go with like axe or uh, smash you know name yourself after like a the, the a, a WWF tag team I think I just did I think that was the guys who wore the BDSM gear is BDSM the right term or am I uh, make, making a music genre a tag team Or a sexual fetish. I don't really know what's happening right now. Corpse paint, leather, studs. What's the difference? All right? It's all entertainment. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people think it's awful. Some people think it's disgusting. And uh, you can say that about all those things. So who really knows where we're at at this point? Um, But we are still on a podcast. And uh, I got an interview that I want you to hear. But first, you got to hear the Getting It Out podcast intro song. We'll do the short version this time. Let's move.
2: Kick it! Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies. Peace to my family, make friends till they bury all the places we've been. We're never sitting it out. We be getting it in, Where you getting it out. I in all the places we've been. We're never sitting it out. We'll be getting it in, Where you getting it out. Get in and out!
1: Did you hear the exciting news? Did you see the exciting news? The exciting news, number one, is that uh, this beautiful face, mine, that's my face I'm talking about, made it into Decibel Magazine, issue 212, featuring Candlemas on the cover with a Decibel Metal and Beer Fest feature. But it also includes a short Reader of the Month column on yours truly, myself, Dan Crilly, the host of Getting It Out podcast, Albert from decibel reached out and asked if I would do the honors as he put it and I said of course I would what better advertisement could I get than that and uh, that's how it happened and I don't know who pulled those strings I don't know who's made the suggestion I assume somebody was behind this and I want to thank that person whoever they are because uh, that was very cool I've been a subscriber of that magazine for a very long time I love it they do exactly what I try to do I don't do it nearly as well uh, but they do—they uh, cover what they want to cover, and it's unapologetic in that regard. And I truly appreciate that. I love that I can go one place, with one print magazine in this fucking country, and uh, get everything I want. And it's—it's uh, it's very cool to be in there, right? Uh, I am not exaggerating at all. It made me very excited, and uh, I still am. And I got to—I pr- got to tell my my littlest daughter all week, like for a month that I was going to be in a magazine, and her being how she is just totally denies it and tells me, no, I'm not, and uh, basically tells me I'm full of shit, and then then I was able to prove her wrong, so I won that one, you know, so that's a uh, big feather in my cap, I guess. Okay, so I don't want to take up too much time up front because this is a cool interview, but it's bookended by two really long songs because Tomaroon makes really long songs, so let's Let's skip the part where I would usually complain about how people don't like a hold their dog leash anymore. Did you see these leash belts? Come on, man. What do we need that, that other free hand for? How, ca- how come we were able to walk our dogs with one hand on the leash and, and sometimes even with several dogs at the end of that leash and now we're like, you know what? I can't do that anymore. I got to go with the leash around the waist. Uh, how about we just stop having dogs? I feel like this is a normal uh, normal thing I've been bringing up lately where I think we should just stop having dogs, but everybody seems to like them a lot more than I do. So I don't think that's ever gonna happen. Anyway, I don't wanna get into a whole thing about dogs and dog leashes, uh, despite the fact that I just did. I-, I wanna get to my interview with Kyle of Tomaroom and uh, t- talking about their new album that's coming out on Prosthetic Records. But first, I need to play you a song from that. That song is going to be condemned to a life of grief. Check it out.
0: company as like the musician guy. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> That's good. Does that uh does that put you in weird uh conversations?
0: Uh I mean not really. Like my company's pretty chill about it. They're like they like think that it's super cool that like, you know, I'm doing the music stuff even though they don't really I guess I don't think they really understand the whole extreme metal thing. Yeah. They think it's super cool that I'm like pursuing it and like doing like a pretty good job at it. <laughs> so i mean i've gotten question. i've gotten like weird questions like do you do you promote your music on tiktok and stuff like that and i'm just like i don't think i don't think 11 I don't think minute songs have, yeah i don't think 11 <laughs> minute songs would go very well on that but you know <laughs>
1: there's several tiktoks i don't even i don't i'm out of touch with tiktok um well, most social media, but I don't even, mm. I've never, never had TikTok. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think like people would say that I should be using it to do the stuff that I do, but I just can't, I can't do it. Mm. I don't, you know, I'm not, It's like years ago when Snapchat became a thing. I couldn't do it. I never figured it out. Didn't, didn't care. And was yeah, like, all right, same. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that one go by me. And, but I do it all. You know, I, I, I do the same thing with mm. Twitter. I can't fucking do Twitter. I don't know what it is about Twitter. I can't do it. It's a, it's. it's it's yeah yeah i'm I'm
0: on facebook and instagram and that's it yeah like everything else i'm kind of just like i can't do it
1: (laughs) it's like the the grandfather uh social medias but you seem like you're much younger than i am how old are you i'm 24 yeah man you're you're significantly younger (laughs) Um, which is cool as hell but uh and it's awesome that you're already doing what you're doing so far so why don't you tell me about what you're doing why you're only 24 years old and you're about to release a really cool and i would say expansive uh, album, metal album on prosthetic records called ashen realms of stone let me let me that, say that again ashen realms of stone icons right yep am i messing up the in the the uh the emphasis anywhere on there
0: uh no no sounds sounds right to <laughs> <me>. <laughs> all right
1: so man how did you get involved in all this how did you start uh how did you even find what was your what was your introduction to extreme metal and when did you get involved
0: oh so i went through the whole like you know, like rise records, like seeing kid metalcore phase when I was like 12, 13. Yeah. And then my freshman year of high school, uh, one of my, one of my buddies showed up to school in an Agalock narrow, the spirit shirt. And I was like, yo, that shirt looks fucking sick. So I like went home and I looked it up yeah. and it's, I just went straight from like the scene kid phase, like straight into like Agalock and shit.
1: <laughs> That's such a cool record. And it's the only, yeah. it's the only one of theirs I have on my shelf over here. And not because I don't like the other ones, but just that's because that's the one I found. And well, now, apparently, it's quite an expensive record, but whatever. I don't buy yeah, for that yeah. reasons. I just buy because, you know, I see something I like. And uh, yeah, and that, yeah. That I've is- got
0: it, too. And I think I paid like 50 bucks for it, like in 2015 or 2016. And <laughs> yeah. one of my buddies, like, got one off Discogs recently. And it was like way more than what I paid for it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I'm going so off the it Discogs the right price, <laughs> so.
1: Hell yeah. Good for you. Um, and you know, it's, I'm glad you said their name because to this day, I still don't know how to how to correctly say their name, and I probably wouldn't still say Agalach because I don't know, I don't know how uh, to say metal names, which which is a great thing to bring up with your band.
0: How do I say it? Uh, so since I'm a like. Since I'm in the southern United States, it's pretty much like it's Tomarum. I think the correct like Icelandic pronunciation is like Tomarum or something like that. Okay, but I mean, people mispronounce it all the time. Like I hear like Tamarium, Tomarum, like all kinds of stuff. But I would have, I I probably would have
1: went like, man, I don't know, I don't know. I, I would have, I don't think I said it out loud to anybody because because Uh I know I'm gonna say it wrong. So I just thought I'd wait till I have the opportunity to actually ask the person in the band. There's so many fucking bands in metal that i've listened to for like half my life that i do not know the correct way to say the name of the band oh yeah like it. you know and then I, <laughs> I, I fortunately doing this i've had the opportunity to actually just ask them straight to their face like how do mm-hmm. i say the band name so
2: mm-hmm.
1: i'm still i'm gonna say years wrong throughout this so uh that's just the way it is all right you know yeah. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a mid-atlantic uh, american who uh who pronounces shit the way i do so that's yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> unapologetically but you're down in Atlanta you said you're well Georgia at least I don't know are you in Atlanta or in- yeah yeah what's like what's that like did you grow up in Atlanta
0: uh, I grew up like 45 minutes south of Atlanta mm-hmm. so it was like a little bit a little bit more rural down there like a lot more a lot more kind of like conservative right-wing type stuff down there yeah than in Atlanta obviously but um I mean Atlanta's cool I mean it's not like traffic gets like pretty bad sometimes but yeah I mean I, I like living here
1: well, I know we we, we doggone you guys a lot because like you mentioned, tra- traffic is bad, but apparently it's way worse when you get like a, a centimeter of snow. Um, apparently you guys uh, all, you panic and shut down, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like you get like an inch of snow <laughs> and all the schools shut down.
1: <laughs> it's funny. I wish it were that way up here, but uh, unfortunately it's not. But so so you mentioned you got into, you know, like the, the metalcore phase. So for you being only 24 years old, and you're saying that was about so that 10 years ago, 10 ish years ago, you'd say maybe? Yeah. Right. So that, what year is that? That's, that's two, like what, t- 2011,
0: got, 12. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I was like getting into Agalock around like this time, 2012 ish.
1: Yeah. Well, what was the, what was the, your local, what were your local options back then? Like you're coming from this more seen stuff and going into the, maybe more underground. better stuff Mm -hmm. we can say that and uh like what was what were your options then coming up
0: so back then i think the first like local band i saw when i was like getting into more extreme stuff was this band called prime mover i think they opened for nile when i went to see them in like 2013 or something like that but like most of the shows that i had gone to like way back when they didn't really have like a whole lot of local bands on it so i didn't start seeing a bunch of like the locals until like 2016 2017 when i started going to shows more often yeah and like when i started going to shows more often it was like proliferation who has um who had uh, brandon who's my bandmate in tom Room now mm-hmm. um and it also had um yeah and actually yeah, almost everybody that was in Proliferation is either has <laughs> been in Tome Room or is in Tome Room now because their other guitarist is playing third guitar for us now, and then their bassist at the time was our first bassist.
1: Nice, nice. So, yeah, well, that uh, that's kind of what I was going to get to. What, I know quite a bit about the Atlanta hardcore scene, but I know a lot about it mm-hmm. Like now. I know I know what's happening there now with bands like Living in Fear, Strangle You, and, and the things Luke Cave's is doing, all that that stuff. So I know what's happening mm. for the, but and this is usually the case with me. Usually, I at least in the United States, I have a pretty good, uh, pretty good knowledge of what's happening with the hardcore scene in those cities. But then I put mm. because that's like that was my thing for a long time. But yeah. I listen, I but I but I primarily listen to metal, and I have most of my conversations about metal music. And uh, but I don't usually mm. know geographically what's happening because in my mind, and maybe it's because I've incorrectly brainwashed myself this way, is that they there isn't like scenes but i know that's incorrect because i've talked to guys Mm -hmm. from chicago and guys from denver who who in in the states have the, in my opinion like the strongest metal scenes right now what is the atlanta metal scene like maybe then but more so now
0: yeah i mean i would say right now it's pretty diverse uh and there's a lot of good bands there's not like a whole lot like in terms of like kind of what we're doing Mm -hmm. so like the only other black metal band that comes to mind is demure but like we've got Paladin and District Ritual, who are also our label mates on Prosthetic. Mm-hmm. And then there's Ecrypt like Ecryptus, which is like Star Wars themed death metal, that they're really good. Um, we've got Malformity, which is more kind of like old school death metal, yeah. metaphobic, which is kind of like weird, like demi-leaky death metal. Mm-hmm. So I'd say it's pretty diverse. A lot of a lot of good bands, a lot of like really good people that play in those bands. There's like some stuff that I'm like not not super into and scenes that I kind of like don't associate with within the Atlanta metal scene, but like, I'm not here to talk shit. So I'm not going to speak on that. Usually but, I try to yeah. push
1: you in that direction, but you're young enough that I'm not going to try and make you do that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll respect you in that way. But uh no, that's, that's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. I like hearing about the diverse, the diverse mm-hmm. scenes. And I assume that means diverse shows too. Um mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's how I came up. That's why I'm into so many different genres in mm-hmm. extreme music, right? That's why I yeah. use that. that, that. It's, you know, it's kind of a lame label to be like, oh, I like extreme music, right? But you yeah. know what I mean. I know what I mean. The people who listen yeah. to metal, hardcore, and punk all know what we're all throwing under that umbrella. And uh, yeah, and that's the way I like it. Um, you mentioned... Well, hold on. Let's go back to the beginning of How Room. How did, how did this come about it's primarily a two-person band right but is that so the way it,
0: it started so it started as just me it started as me just kind of like I was in college and I was bored and I needed another hobby so I was like let's I had been pl- I started playing guitar when I was like 10 so like you know I'd always kind of like wanted to make music I just never thought that I could do it so I like when I was like younger and like in high school and like my early college years didn't really try but then around like 2017 I was just like, fuck it, let's give it a shot. And originally I was just kind of like, I was bored and I was kind of using it as a coping mechanism for some like difficult stuff that I was going through. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna make music about it. And if it's good, I'll record it and I'll put it out. And then I'll I'll just like, it'll be a solo thing. And then I'll just like kill the project after that. And then I'll just move on with my life. But then like, as I started writing the songs, I was like, you know, I actually feel like really, really good about these. I kind of want to like take it seriously. So that's when I pulled in the original lineup, which was Brandon and then two other guys who are no longer in the band. But now, um, so we recorded the album as a two piece (laughs) with um, Spencer Moore from Inferi on session drums and then Aram Explorin from Vervum on session bass. But now uh, we have a full lineup uh, and we're a five piece now. So we're going to be
2: like,
0: we're going to be touring with that lineup. And then we've already started writing the second record with that lineup and are going to be recording it that way, too.
1: That's awesome. That was definitely going to be one of my questions is how do you translate this to a live performance? But you've fucking got that figured out already. (laughs) Good for you. Um, So you put out uh, a two song EP. Was that was that 2020?
0: Yeah, it was right at the beginning of 2020, wounds, like February. Wounds ever expanding? Is that what that was? Yeah,
1: February 2020. So you didn't get to do shit with that, huh?
0: Yeah, we had we had a release show in Atlanta, like the day it came out, and then we opened for Sango Sugabog like the month <laughs> after that, and then that was <laughs> we were supposed to go on like a like a mini tour type thing. It was like three shows. It was like Chicago louisville and cincinnati but mm-hmm. that got canceled like the day before we were supposed to leave so we weren't able to really like we weren't able to do anything off of that really and we still like our first show back is in like two weeks
1: oh she so still have
0: yeah yeah we we haven't like <laughs> yeah. after a certain point we were like you know what let's just like let's wait to play shows until the album's out that way we can come back with a bang
1: Right. Well, that that uh, EP was well. I call it EP. I guess did you could you call it an EP? What do you call that?
0: I would call it an EP.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's two songs, but it's like like sixteen minutes long. Right. Yeah. Right. So was that is that like was that like the whole set list at the time?
0: Uh, no. We played one song off of that. Uh, the opening track "Throws of Life Forever Entwined." Uh, mm-hmm. we we played that at the uh, release show, and then we played three songs off of the full length. Because the full length was Ash was already like almost completely written before I even started writing the EP.
2: Mm.
0: We before you like, started we,
1: writing the
0: EP. Yeah, yeah. Huh. We we did things kind of like in reverse order. Like we put that EP we I we put that EP together to like have something to kind of like grow our fan base a little bit while Definitely. we were like putting the final like finishing touches on like the songwriting for the album, just basically to buy us more time.
1: That makes sense. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think about it that way, but COVID kind of shut you down But you already had an album pretty much done and ready to work on. Right. was, it was the other stuff, the stuff that's on this album, Ash and Rums recorded by then, or is that something that took place over the last two years?
0: Oh, uh, we were supposed to start recording. Like we had studio time booked when COVID first hit that we had to push back. But I think we we were supposed to start recording in like May of 2020, and then we started. We ended up starting in like July. So that fucked you off, so, man. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a huge, like, super delay. We just ended up like in the studio, like, masked up, socially distanced, like, <laughs> recording a black metal record.
1: <laughs> what what is it you mentioned before? Like being into like the more like metalcore stuff, the scene stuff, the rise record stuff, and then you've uh, agalok, mm-hmm. and then you found that. What what was appealing to you, and what is appealing to you about black metal?
0: For me, it's always been like the atmosphere and like the emotional weight of black metal. So like, I'm way more into the more like n- you know the more like drawn out atmospheric stuff. So like, Wolves in the Throne Room, Agaloc, right? Stuff, so, so you're not stuff talking, like that.
1: So not like the first, the second wave black metal. You're talking like the yeah. American... I mean, I love
0: that shit too. Right. Yeah, I love just... that shit too. But like, right. I'm mainly drawn to like the more emotional side of black metal. Gotcha. I feel like for me, like. I like, I feel the most when I listened, when I listen to stuff like that, as opposed to like other genres of music.
1: Gotcha. And those, that's the type of black metal that I've always appreciated the most as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'll listen to what, well, whatever you want to call Venom and Bathory and that stuff. And that stuff's cool. And I like dark throne and mayhem, but not as much as I like Agalot or Alcest yeah. or like th- those types of bands like those. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's why I think I like what you're doing so much. But you seem to be doing something that's, I'd say, more progressive than even that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot more technicality to it as well. And one of the things that I listened, that I heard right away when I put on this record, is the bass sound, and it, it yeah. immediately reminds me of uh, Steve DiGiorgio on Death's uh-huh. "Individual Thought Patterns." That's my favorite Death record and mm-hmm. uh and so it just got me thinking like are there any specific mu- musicians that you would consider to be like primary influences for what you do
0: uh i would say i mean the weaver brothers from wolves in the throne room for sure uh john hom and don anderson obviously from Agalok. uh and then i would say the band warforged has also been like a pretty they're like a they're a lot newer band they just put out their name yeah, in 2019 but they've been a huge influence on me and brandon uh and then bands like In Fury, Beyond Creation, mm-hmm. bands that like are kind of in that technical category, but right. like they're more they sound a little bit more expressive. They're not like super, super like mechanical,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool when a band can be technical, but not always, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. sometimes like, all right, knock it off, play a song, but not not just uh, not just showing off your fucking chops. Right. So, uh, and it doesn't seem like you guys do that on here, but you do, you do write long songs. Yeah. (laughs) Do you you think it's necessary to write long songs when you're playing this type of music?
0: Uh, I don't necessarily think it's necessary. Uh, For me, it's just kind of been like, when I'm writing, when I'm writing, I don't finish a song until it, like, until it feels like it's finished. So like Mm -hmm. when I was writing this record, it was more like I, I always felt like, oh, there needed to be another riff after this. There needed to be another riff after this. And then I would finally close it and the song would be like 10 minutes long. (laughs) So it wasn't like I wasn't it wasn't like my intent to write super long songs. It just kind of came naturally. And I think I think that works to our strong suit because we're able to like develop ideas.
1: Or was it was it written just by yourself or did you have uh, what's his name? Brandon helping you.
0: Uh, Brandon wrote a couple riffs and then obviously like his solos and then some of like the clean vocal harmonies okay. but it was um it was majority me uh, okay I, writing it
1: I asked that because I was, I was talking to another guy recently who's does his music by himself black magnet James Hammetry I was asking him and I want to ask you the same thing when you're primarily writing all the music yourself or writing all the songs yourself um is it hard for you To, to, to like be your own quality control maybe not because you have some other guys working with you but uh, mm-hmm. where do you draw the line how do you know when a song is done
0: uh i mean i don't really know how to answer that it's just like <laughs> i'm gonna be super vague and say when it feels done it's done <laughs> That's fair. there were definitely like there were definitely times when i would like experiment with like adding layers and then kind of be like you know this is this is too much maybe i need to like tone it back a little bit to yeah. like let the guitar parts shine through but like it just like it has to it has to feel complete like it has to I don't like ending songs abruptly like it has to have like mm-hmm. kind of like that exposition rising action climax falling action like conclusion yeah type feel yeah. and like I wanted to write I wanted to write songs that kind of like any song on the record could start the album and any song could finish it because they all have they all have like that finality to them like there's definitely songs on it that work better as open like work better as openers and better as closers than Mm -hmm. others but i wanted to have every song like have that finality to it
1: so did sequencing matter that much then when putting this record together
0: uh i wrote the album in sequential order i thought so like the first track to the last track i thought that i read that right and i
1: wanted to ask you about that. what the hell's the idea behind that i mean i think it's super interesting Uh, but like
0: i mean it was part of it was like I, I mean, when I started writing this like Condemned to a Life of Grief, the single that we put out like last week or the week before that was like the first song that was the first song that I wrote for the band. And I just kind of wanted it to have that like introductory introductory feel. Mm-hmm. And I just kept on kind of like what like what vibe do i want following this up and then like after so after condemned i wrote in this empty space which was the first single that came out off the record and then after that i was like okay um i want something that kind of has that like climactic like midpoint feel so then i wrote where no warmth is found so i kind of just like went in that order of like what what would i as a listener want to hear next Mm -hmm. and then after like the five core songs on the record were done, I wrote the two interludes, like the intro, the intro track, Introspection One, that kind of like flows into yeah. into Get Into a Life of Grief, which uh, nobody's heard yet, but that's the first track on the record. And then there is an interlude, interlude in between In This Empty Space and Where No Warmth Is Found that I put in there just to like kind of give some breathing room because In This Empty Space is like kind of intense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, I've heard it all. So I know, (laughs) I I know what's going on, but the, uh, I, I found that really interesting. And I think that's, that's like the way I think we would all imagine, like if you didn't know how music was made, that's the way you would imagine that people do things. Right. Uh But it doesn't make like It doesn't realistically make sense until you just flat out did it. So, um, (laughs) but, but you mentioned contempt to a life of grief. But that song was, like, originally released, like, in 2019, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We put out, like, a really, really rough, like, unfinished. Or I, w- I don't want to say unfinished. It was, like, at the time, finished. But, like, after we put that demo out, I was like, oh, let's change up this part. Let's change up this part. Let's add another solo. Right. Like, so that, stuff that like was, that.
1: That was my next question. Why did you feel the need to re-record it?
0: Because, I, I mean, I wanted that, like, album quality. I didn't feel like the demo was album quality. I felt like my vocals could have been better. And then, like the lineup was different. I wanted like me and Brandon, and then like the session musicians on the track. And I just wanted to create like a bigger, like better version of it.
1: Right, right. Well, that's also the one that you chose to do a video for, or at least you did do a video for. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was I was watching earlier today. What is going on in that video? Was that is that something that was uh, actually like it's a lot of you know quick cuts and yeah. black and white? Is that something that was actually shot? What?
0: How, how did you do uh, so? chariot of black moth was the person who made the video i think it's just like a amalgamation of like a bunch of different (laughs) a bunch of different clips we didn't like go out and shoot the video or anything
1: right is that something you want to do for anything or or maybe have done but haven't put out yet
0: we haven't done any like actual music videos for this record because i felt like it would have been kind of like awkward as a two-piece to do that like for the performance shots and stuff like that it would have been uh, difficult to get, you know, Aram exploring over from the UK to like play bass to the music <laughs> video and shit like that. But um, for our new lineup and the next record, that's definitely something that we want to do.
1: Well, this you're already you're already planning ahead for the next record, and I think that's great. But this one isn't even out yet, right? May six yeah. is it May six? May six.
0: Yep. On prosthetic May 6.
1: records. You mentioned there being some other bands in the area on prosthetic how did you end up hooking up with prosthetic and i would before you answer that i want to say because i'm a i've been a big fan of prosthetic for years like mm. go back i have like you know old sampler cds from prosthetic yeah, from the no. early 2000s and uh you know with bands that ended up being huge bands that still are huge and, and yeah. even but not always that too and that's one of the things that i that i love about prosthetic and i bring it up i think every single time i have somebody on from prosthetic mm. is that i love that there's that there's prog metal bands, that there's black metal bands, that there's power violence bands, that there's I don't know anything recently, but like you know whatever. Just there's a there's a there's a cool uh, spectrum of music on that label. So what's your relationship yeah. with Prosthetic and how did you get involved?
0: So they reached, uh, Steve reached out to us about like the beginning of last year. He had heard he had heard Wounds Ever Expanding and like really dug it and expressed interest in working with us. So like we didn't really have like. I, like I've been friends with the guys in Paladin for years and like they signed with Prosthetic in like 20 2019.
1: Paladin, though, like, no, that's a that's a very different band, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's but, what I
1: mean. That's a good example of yeah. a very different, you know. But know. anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't like we didn't really have like a connection to Prosthetic outside of like having friends that were like on the label, but like they didn't send they didn't send Steve like our material or anything. Steve mm-hmm. found it on his own and then reached out to us. Yeah. So then we talked it over for a couple months and then we were still like pretty deep in the recording process. Cause we took like 11 months or something to record the record, just like obsessing over every small detail yeah. and probably going a little bit too hard on it. <laughs> but uh, once it was finally finished and we had a, a rough mix that we were uh, satisfied with, uh, we sent Steve, um, we sent Steve some rough mixes and then he fucked with it. So uh, he sent us over a contract. We read it over and it was, it seemed like it would be a pretty good home for us. A lot of like, I like how diverse the roster is, and how, um, like how Prosthetic is pretty intentional about signing a lot of like vocally anti-fascist bands. Yeah, that's yeah. something that I really like because, like, that's kind of the opposite end of that is something that I don't really want to be. I don't want my band and my name to be associated with. Well, and, and so yeah, and the
1: genre of black metal ha- tends yeah. to have people on the you know, far right. Not t- not you know what I mean. Not.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not the
1: majority by any means, but you know, there's yeah, yeah, it's out there.
0: Yeah, I feel like being in a like being in a genre with like a far right problem, it's important to make your stance clear. Yeah. So one of the reasons that I like being on Prosthetic is because like we have made our stance clear, but we're also like in good company on the label with other bands that have done that.
1: That's very cool. That's the I, I really like that answer. That's a that's real cool. Uh, something I didn't even think about. So kudos to you and steve for doing what they do with prosthetic and yeah like you said firmly making their stance known because unfortunately we're in a time where uh that's semi-necessary so yeah good on all of you for that we we touched on you releasing that uh the wounds ever expanding ep in 2020 and you didn't get to do much with it but i did read some reviews and they all seemed positive that i saw did you get any criticisms or uh or negative shit that that you actually found constructive and implemented into the recording or writing of the new album
0: Uh, i mean all the negative shit that we saw wasn't really constructive it was just like shit on us
1: (laughs) what's it what would they say what they say
0: like that we were to enable the scars what greta van fleet was to led Zeppelin and shit like that (laughs) like shit that like it wasn't really and there was like the obvious like the album art looks like goatsy shit that was like the main comment (laughs) <laughs> Above any positive response or any negative response about the music, it was always like this album art looks like Goatsy. <laughs> <Yeah, who laughs> so like, it wasn't really any constructive criticism that came out of the response. <laughs> it was either like, "Oh, this is good," or like, it was just like flat out hate. But you know, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of that EP either. So like, I get both sides. Like, I get why people like it, but I also get why people don't. So mm-hmm. it's whatever. What don't you like about it? Uh, I don't think the I don't like. I know like we had colin marston mix and master and i think he did a phenomenal job i just don't think that that kind of style suits our music i think like the beefier punchier sound that we've got on ash suits (laughs) us a lot better and then the songs they just like weren't indicative of kind of where we were going where we were going as a band um basically like our former bassist had written a song which was the second song on that ep and then i just wrote a song I wrote Throws of Life Forever Entwined to kind of like pair with that in a similar style to like make an EP Mm -hmm. so like and I wrote that song in like two weeks and then we recorded it like a couple months after that so like I don't feel like I put my best foot forward on that like from a performance standpoint or a songwriting standpoint yeah so it's just like it definitely did what we wanted it to do like a lot of people liked us and it a lot of people liked it and it got us to the point where we were able to attract the attention as prosthetic and put ourselves in a good position for, for the full length. But like looking back, like I know I could have, I could have done better.
1: Do you feel, I mean, this is kind of an obvious question and answer. Do you feel like you did better now with
0: Oh yeah, Ash and Realms of Stone Icons? Yeah, I couldn't be more proud of Ash.
1: What are you most looking forward to about the release from this record?
0: uh i'm looking forward to going on tour that's like been a dream of mine and brandon's (laughs) since we were like little kids yeah so i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to seeing i'm really looking forward to seeing what people think about the songs the response the response has been really really good to the singles so far Mm -hmm. but the two but the the rest of the record that we haven't put out yet is like the craziest shit on the album yeah so i'm really looking forward to seeing how people respond to those and yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for, yeah. The, I think the, I think Steve said the vinyl shipped out from the plant. So like that should be in our hands pretty soon. I'm really looking forward to that. Cause that's been like, I've been pretty addicted to record collecting since I was like 15. So like, yeah, this guy too. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to like have like, it was like kind of surreal when we got the test presses in because uh-huh. it was like, when I was like listening to the test presses, I was like, Holy shit. That's like me on, on a record. But like having the actual finished product with like the artwork and the 12 inch format and then like the colored vinyl and everything, I'm like really looking forward to seeing that.
1: Good. I'm, I'm glad you say that because to me that's that is what I always want people to tell me when I ask that question because that's how I was when like I have recorded two records, but I have well, only one ever got pressed. And mm. it's so cool to me just to have that even though I don't really like listening to it or anything. It's just yeah, cool to have it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's you you know what I mean. What's record collecting like for you?
0: Uh, I mean, it used to be a lot of impulse purchases. I would like hear something that I liked and then buy it, and then I would listen to it a couple times and then not listen to it that much anymore. That's now I it's now I'm like trying to I'm trying to slow down a bit because I'm running out of space, but like I'm just trying to like find find shit that I like and going back and like getting some rarer stuff. Like after I finished college and like got a job where I was like making more money, I was like started going back and getting getting records that have been kind of on my want list for a while that I just yeah. like couldn't justify the price tag on. So it's been a lot of like kind of filling the gaps in my collection and then also trying to keep up with like new like raw black metal stuff and prog death and <laughs> shit like that.
1: Well, you mentioned like sometimes you buy stuff and then not be into it and then never listen to it. Do you purge?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do purge. I'm, like, really lazy, though, when it comes to, like, going to the post office. So, like, I'll, like, I have a whole cubby on my shelf of, like, stuff I want to get rid of. And I'll just, like, I'll I'll sell it. I'll sell, like, a bunch at once. And then I will just, like, won't sell anything for, like, months because I just, like, <laughs> fucking hate going to the post office.
1: I get it. I get it. I have the same issues. Well, I, I more have an issue of actually getting rid of stuff, actually unloading um, it. I just keep adding. And there's plenty of stuff in here yeah. I not listen to. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah, but, I've got but, plenty
0: of shit I don't listen to that much, but I like. I don't want to get rid of it either because it's like yeah. I know it's good. I just don't listen to it as much as I should.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, you're in a little bit of a different situation than I am, but like you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm married with two daughters. Uh There's not mm-hmm. many times I'm blasting some, you know, anything like aggressive. You know, <laughs> like usually it's like stuff yeah. that, that everybody will enjoy, or at least me and my wife. So uh yeah, but, so yeah, some of the heavier stuff that I really love just doesn't get played because yeah. uh, there's not an opportunity. But anyway, I love that you said the vinyl. Um, prosthetic does a great job. I just got the Without Waves record they just put out in the mail. Steve said it. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I do, they do a good job. As somebody like you who buys records, uh, I think you land at a great spot because Prosthetic seems to actually make good records. Because you know, as, as yeah. I know, that some people just press shit,
0: and especially yeah. right now.
1: You mentioned you wanted to go on tour and you do have a tour lined up. Where are you going and who are you going with?
0: Uh, So we have a like week long run of East coast dates for like around like Memorial day time. It's like the last tail end of May into early June. Uh, We're going out with Don of Uroboros from California. So we're playing like St. Vitus in Brooklyn. We're playing uh, Atlas Brewworks in DC. Uh, We have a Philly date, Pittsburgh. Uh, Virginia Beach and then we've got um, a festival in Delaware at uh, Birmingham Home Meadery.
1: Awesome those are all those are all pretty decent spots the, the stuff I know too um, me, I'm in I'm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania and I'm in Philly everywhere again I used to live in Baltimore so like I know this little area mm-hmm. very well and uh, all those venues you mentioned I'm um, familiar with and of course those cities um, is that the first time you're going to be getting up here with the band? I know you mentioned some, you were going to do some other stuff before but I don't know if you ever did
0: yeah, we were, we were never able to get on the road after that. By the time that things started getting, like, a little bit safer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we were at the point where we are like, yeah, let's just, like, not play shows until the record's out. Mm-hmm. So this will be, like, we have our album release show in Atlanta uh, on May 6th, and then we've got the tour at the tail end of May, early June. So that'll be, like, our actual, like, return to live setting post-COVID.
1: That's awesome. Well, are you satisfied with everything at this point? Like, I don't know yeah i guess it's it's as simple as that are you satisfied with the record the way it came out and what you got lined up is there something that you haven't done yet or don't have already planned that you'd like to do in the near future
0: uh i would say um at this point in the band's existence i'm pretty satisfied with where we're at i think that being you know being 24 and being like you know being on prosthetic records and about to put out a record that i'm like super super proud of that's pretty like, good. it's, yeah. I, I, f- I feel really good about that. Like it's that's happening earlier than I would have expected it would. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited about going on tour. I think that, um, yeah, the only thing that I would want to do is kind of like the music video type stuff, but we're going to do that for the next record. So it's not something I'm like, worried about for this one. Yeah. Tough so, to yeah, do I would those say
1: I'm there's long songs, yeah, though, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we might uh, we might need to re- have a, a shorter song or two on the next record.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mind. I like when songs. I always tell people I either like a fast EP or a long album, and you guys do uh-huh. a long album well, and uh, I really enjoyed it. You weren't on my radar until uh, you ended up with Prosthetic. I assume that's going to be the same for a lot of people, but yeah, uh, black metal question, and then we'll we'll end this thing. Is there, because I'm not like in tune with like the black metal world, the black metal scene, is there like any, um I don't want to say gatekeeping, but like, uh what's the word? What's the fucking phrase he always used for black metal stuff?
0: Is it elitism?
1: Yeah, well, all right, Maybe. so we'll just go with elitism. Is, it, is there like elitism to like a black metal band signing to a, a record label like Prosthetic, which doesn't quite fit what I imagine they would want? I don't know. You tell me.
0: Yeah, I mean, we haven't. Like we haven't gotten any of that. I mean, there's obviously going to be you know like kind of black metal black metal diehards that are like oh Antifa you signed with an Antifa label like shit like that. But that's not something that I there's gonna I mean there's inevitably going to be shit like that that I don't. That's good though you weed them out. Yeah you
1: weed out. Yeah yeah I mean I don't
0: want I don't want people like that like listening to my band anyway. So like that's cool. (laughs) Like but like I mean we've definitely gotten shit before for like not wearing corpse paint and shit like that just like typical like. (laughs) I remember once after a show somebody was like after a show that we played back when we first started somebody was like you know that was sick but it would have been way cooler if you guys had corpse paint on I was like bro that's not that's not the kind of black metal we play
1: <laughs> Yeah, I love it I love that stuff I love that stuff I love the like the uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say it right like the well the elitism of different genres of extreme music where people uh-huh. who, like somebody in corpse paint would be like those fucking Meathead idiots into yeah, papery and heavy hardcore. Like, what are you fucking? Yeah. like look at look at just look at you. Like, what are you? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: what, you know, and then and then there's you know, just the, every every subgenre has the has the stereotype and the yeah, if, if they're all so real that it's funny yeah, as hell. Ext- I mean.
0: Yeah, extreme metal as a whole is just like <laughs> the culture around it is just like super goofy and super like dorky. So like. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of the shit that I see online is just like so entertaining.
1: How did you come up with the band name? I know it's you've said it a million times before, but I need to know. How did you come up with the band name?
0: So um, it's Icelandic for Empty Space. Okay. So, I mean, you can tell when you listen to one of the songs on the record, that it's like a namesake song right. for the band. But it was basically like I'm super, super into like Icelandic black metal. So like Miss and Samara. And Svarti Daudi and stuff like that. I really love how, like, how dissonant, like, it's simultaneously, like, super dissonant and chaotic, but it's, like, super melodic and beautiful, too. Yeah. I'm, like, really into stuff like that. And I, like, chose the word because I wanted something that was kind of, like, that encapsulated, kind of, how I felt at the time, how I felt and, kind of, like, what the topics cover. Cause, like, I, I, a lot of the lyrics that I write are about, like, my own personal struggles with mental health and like depression and stuff like that yeah. so like I wanted a I wanted a name that encapsulated that that like you see the name and you see the name you see like the album title you see the song titles you kind of know what you're getting into mood wise
1: gotcha no, that's, uh, that makes sense what my big question with it though is how do I type it how do I type these accents I don't know how to type accents I've looked it up I've googled it uh, you, you have to know how to type accents how do you do it
0: so when I'm on my phone, I just like press and hold the O on the keyboard. Okay. But like if I'm typing something on my computer, I just like I go to the bank page and like the name <laughs> and then copy and paste it. There's like a there's like some kind of alt key code that you can do for it. I just don't I know. know it. I know there is. And
1: trust me, I've Googled this and I've tried to do it with other bands. I don't know how to do it. I don't uh, how, like, I, it's <laughs> like instructions I can't understand. Yeah. It, 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 I it. mean,
0: luckily, it's at the point where if like if you Google our name, if you Google it without the accents, like come we're, yeah. we come up. So it's <laughs> it's, it's it's fine.
1: <laughs> you got the optimal SEO, right? Yeah. Good for you. All right, Kyle. Well, hey, uh, I don't got much else for you, but I do want to tell you uh, straight up that I really like this record and I'm I'm glad you guys came onto my radar and I hope you get to do all the things that you want to do with it and uh, especially go out on this tour because it looks like it's going to work out for you. I don't think the world's getting shut down anymore uh, unless you're in China. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Kyle Walburn of Tomarum. The song you just heard was In This Empty Space, which of course is off of the new album, Ash in Realm of Stone Icons, out this Friday on Prosthetic Records. I want to thank Kyle once again for taking the time to have a conversation with me. And I want to tell you, the people who listen to the end of the podcast, that gettingitout.net is real now. It exists. Go to it. Go check it out. Gettingitout.net. I haven't put it out there totally um, for the rest of the world, but I'm going to put it here. I'm going to tell you here at the end of the podcast that it is uh, fully operational at this point, as far as I can tell. If you see anything wrong with it, you let me know. But please go to gettingitout.net uh, and check it out. See what's happening there. Uh, re- new reviews and news to come, hopefully daily, but we'll see what I'm able to do with it. That's very exciting. The decibel thing was cool. The website thing is even cooler. So if you've been hearing me talk about it for literally years, the time is actually now. So go check that out, please. Immediately bookmark it. Go there every day. All right. Please also go to Instagram and follow at getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast and see what I'm up to there. Getting it in the mail episodes are the most exciting thing that I've been doing right now, aside from being in magazines and having a website. Big deal right now. You know, lots of big news. Um, Anyway, I played played a lot of long songs on this episode of the podcast, and why not why not just keep doing it, all right? This is the long song episode of Getting It Out Podcast. I'm going to play you The Dying World from Desolate Shrine. They've got a new record. It just came out on March 25th through Dark Descent Records. It's called Fires of the Dying World, and it's awesome. I know uh, Decibel actually just released uh, some some cool uh, vinyl for this one, and I'm sure there's more to come from that. But it is out already on CD, cassette, and digitally, so check it out. Desolate Shrine, The Dying World, from Fires of the Dying World. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
2: Oh